to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. Well, this time last year, Brisbane-based mining tech startup PlotLogic was pre-revenue. Now, it counts three of the four biggest miners in the world among its customers. And according to PlotLogic, this technology could soon revolutionise the entire mining industry. To tell us how, founder and CEO Andrew Job joins us now on the Unicorns podcast. G'day, Andrew. G'day. Good to talk with you. So according to recent media reports, Andrew, PlotLogic could exceed $100 million in revenue this year. But last year, you were pre-revenue. That's quite a journey. So how did all of that happen? Yeah, well, um, we're still a private company, so the uh, the actual revenue numbers are, are still reasonably tightly held. But I think the quantum um, is, is certainly something we can talk about in terms of the scale um, and order of magnitude of scale that we're going through. Um, and really what, what's happened is we started this company with an idea a few years ago and it's quite a, a deep technology, a really hard uh, piece of development that needed to happen in order to make this go from an idea to something that could be testable on mine sites. And the idea is that really what we're trying to do is provide sensors across the entire ore body. Um, mm. And that's important because if you get that knowledge with very high degree of precision, and get it in real time or close to real time, you can know every single rock in the mine and then use that to drive amazing optimization decisions, which reduces greenhouse gases, uh, increases the productivity, increases profitability, and also improves safety by reducing exposure hours and, and identifying uh, potential hazards before they before they unravel. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there was a really a, a, a lot of hard research and development that needed to happen for the first few years. But we knew there was a very strong market for what we were doing uh, because we were getting pulled by by clients uh, prior to us having a product even ready to go, saying, you know, when when can you come to our mine site? When can you do something? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so we were, we, you know, we were fighting and, and racing as fast as we could to actually get you know, things proven out. We were confident in the tech, but obviously being confident in the tech versus having something um, usable in the marketplace is two different mm. things. So, you know, we went from... Uh, a couple of people when we started off, uh, myself and a and a postdoc uh, researcher who previously worked at Caltech with 30 odd years experience in uh, optical physics. Our second hire was uh, uh, another postdoc researcher at the University of Sydney with about 30 odd years in in algorithm development for for mineral characterization, and mm-hmm. and that was a sort of foundation team. And sort of quickly after that, as we worked through some. Some of these hard tech challenges, um, you know, we, we proved it out in the field, and have got to the point now where we went from essentially, you know, zero uh, commercial deployments last year to quite quickly being a position where, uh, you know, we, we essentially can't keep up with demand, which is, mm. you know, a really good problem to be. You know, we're, we're scaling as fast as is possible. And Andrew, what's your professional background? How did you get to be involved with the business? Yeah, so I actually uh, came at this from the industry perspective. So I started in the industry. Uh, back in 1998, actually, uh, literally on the on the coal face, back when back when coal was a um, you know still a thing, I guess. Um, it's still a and, thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I went through a whole bunch of um, roles, but you know, essentially got a degree as an engineer, and then 
worked predominantly in operational management roles and was always challenged with this this um, idea of you know how we can really find new new ways of of generating the resources the planet needs without you know screwing up things along the way and that's something that's always set very closely with me for a very long period of time. I went and did a master's degree uh, in finance to help understand the you know the business mechanics in a lot more detail. Uh, yeah. I was running mine sites uh, for a company called Anglo American, um, and then made a decision um, back in in two thousand and. Uh, 16, I think it was now that um, I'd go off and do my PhD because I, I realised to to just to for a bit a, of extra torture. Yeah, just for a bit of extra torture, I decided <laughs> to go and do a PhD to close a, some technical gaps in this this I guess hypothesis that I was working on about how you could really retool the entire industry. But I wanted to make sure I had the technical um, backing to go ahead and do it. So. And what was that in? What was, yeah, what was your PhD in? Yeah, it has a really sexy title of. Uh, uh, real-time resource characterization for precision mineral extraction. So, um, but essentially, <laughs> what it does. time reading. It, exactly, it's really catchy, isn't it? So, uh, but essentially, uh, the, 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 the thesis looked at this idea of using artificial intelligence um, and and new sort of um, highly sophisticated sensors to then derive information about the the rock mass or the ore body and do it. You know, essentially in real time and do it autonomously and then use that information to feed into mine optimization. So you know, essentially you know, the PhD was a lot of uh, computer programming, a lot of mechatronics, uh, robotics type of work to, to prove this uh, hypothesis out, resulted in a um, essentially a, a first of a kind prototype system that we took out to took out uh, into the wide world and then from there... Um, did, it, we, did it work then? It did actually work. Yeah, it was uh, in, in retrospect, um, I look at it, I was quite embarrassed by what I built, but I was really proud of it at the time. Um, but uh, I look back now and cringe and go, wow, I can't believe it worked. You know, like it yeah. <laughs> was more surprised than me. But um, essentially, we took it to a couple of mine sites to collect some some data, um, you know, to, to, to help uh, prove out the algorithms that we were developing. And the guys on the mine site said, well, that's fantastic. Can, can we buy one of these things? And we went well. That's you know probably now is the time that I got through the PhD to, to go and start the business um, essentially properly, and then essentially from there that's where we went to this commercialisation journey and and where we are now. So what exactly does your technology do? Can you take our listeners specifically through the tech and how it works? Yeah, sure. So uh, essentially what we do is we use a um, a, a set of sensors. And how big are how big are they? It's about the size of a microwave oven. So if you could imagine a device that's about the size of a microwave oven, mm-hmm. looks like looks like Wall-E, basically. You know, yeah. If you think of that, that, and what uh, do you do with that? You take it out into the middle of the outback. <laughs> what do you do? Essentially, so we go and um, go out and use that scanning system. So we're scanning essentially all the rocks in the mine, um, and then the sensors that we use that work across the visible near-infrared part of the light spectrum in combination with LiDAR, which is uh, for spatial positioning, and some other uh, sensors that we include. We fuse all that data together, uh, which is huge amounts of data. Um, We do it essentially in real time, and then we have uh, very sophisticated algorithms that then use that sensory information to derive insights to say, for example, this particular uh, rock or group of rocks or this part of the mine face, you know, has very high grade uh, gold contained in it. This other part is low grade or or waste material. And essentially, we can do that 
um, and bypass the, the traditional drilling program, which relies on very slow processes plus also very sparse data sets. So we're literally grading every single rock just by essentially looking at it um, and then and then repeating that process, you know, at, across the entire mine, mine site. Right. So how many? Um, how, give us give us a sense of the scale. Like how how many sensors do you need to cover a particular area, and how deep can you go? Yeah. So we have different um, uh, product uh, offerings depending on the on okay. on the actual yeah. application. So we have one product which is. Uh, uh, about to be deployed into into the market, uh, which essentially goes into blast holes and actually scans the inside of blast holes to make those same uh, determinations. So we can go as far back as the mine is, is operating. Um, and then on top of that, we have another system, which is our core, um, you know, original tech system, which essentially scans all the all the rocks, all the mine faces, so it becomes a survey instrument essentially that um, you know, would, would replace or at least complement existing survey technologies but add this new layer of information. Old surveying technologies rely purely on spatial information and we get yes. this other information on, on all grade and that uh, at the same time. Um, so they're sort of the, the two uh, primary uh, pieces that you would need to go onto a mine site. And then on top of that, we have another system which we fit to excavators, so literally Bucket by bucket, we make a determination of every single grade of uh, of, of of rock within that bucket. That's the good stuff, or or that one, yeah. To take that to the bin, yeah. Correct, and and so that you know really allows us to to minimise the amount of uh, waste going through the system, so it reduces mm. energy consumption, um, and also you know means that you're not rehandling material. And then we have another system which fits over a conveyor belt, which essentially closes a loop and also provides. Uh, the process plan operators with you know, real-time information that they wouldn't otherwise get, um, you know, things like deleterious material, clay content, those sorts of things that go through the plant that actually have a huge impact on plant performance but um, are not, not easy to detect through sort of traditional methods. So, so they're the sort of main touch points that, that, we, uh, that we span across in a, in a mining operation. Okay. And so really, you know, that the entry point that we that we go for is you know what we call um, digital assay, which allows us to basically speed up a mine site's existing assay program um, from traditional methods to our method and do it really really fast. So a lot faster than any traditional method. We literally do um, our assay in a matter of seconds on, and we do it out in the mine and provide that information in real time. And uh, we also can do it obviously um, a lot cheaper. So we don't have as many people going involved mm. in collecting samples, sending them off, those sorts of things. And because of the speed that we do it, we can also assay a lot more holes than you would normally do. So a lot of traditional mine sites, they might say, oh, we're only going to... Um, We've only got take... enough money to drill this many holes. I exactly, yeah. So, so that's sort of the usual way that we would enter a mine site. We go in and, and, and start with that and then expand across the mine into those other applications. And so just on your point there about you can speed up the process you can do all of this in real time how much time can you save mine operators mine owners uh in the work that you're doing because that's a, that's a massive cost uh at any mine site yeah correct so so um some really um each mine site you know can be to some degree unique so one of the mine sites we work at they actually don't have an on-site their own like uh, local laboratory, if you like. So it's it's actually takes them 
uh, essentially 48 hours from when they collect a sample before they can even get it to the laboratory. And depending on the load of work in the laboratory, yeah, that might be another you know, minimum of a day or two days to turn that around mm-hmm. um, before they get a result. And the problem with that is, you know, the mines are moving quickly. Uh, everyone's capital constrained, so they're trying to make sure that everyone's on not, the clock. Mm-hmm. Everyone's on the clock. So, you know, making a really smart decision around mine scheduling or mine planning or the geological model is, is really um, waiting on this massive bottleneck. I know at some of the major laboratory facilities in Western Australia, you know, they're, they're sort of quoting turnaround times of up to seven weeks in sort of, ex- that's an exploration context. So it's, you know, the, the other extreme of the scenario. But, you know, so we, we have everything from that down to one of the mine sites we work at. They have a nine day turnaround from when they collect a sample to when they get the result. And mm-hmm. that's really important because they need to optimize their blending plan um, for, for shipments, it's nine ore mine. And if they get that blend plan, plan wrong, it can literally cost them millions of dollars. So you've got all these geologists and engineers literally waiting for a week or so and excavators are quick. Playing dominoes or something. I'm pretty sure they're busy doing other things, but yeah, they, but they're, they're waiting for these results to come in to make a decision and can actually have downtime. Um, the excavators, so the primary excavators, which you know, cost you know, tens of millions of dollars, are literally waiting for the schedule to be completed and the blend plan to be done before they can start start mining. So there's a huge amount of redundant capacity in the in the business that's tied up because of these these delays. And also, you know, we just take boots off the ground, so our system runs essentially autonomously. So you know, it helps um, have well, those geolog- definitely, ge- yeah, ge- geologists and engineers. So we you know we don't we don't take away their job. We just allow them to do it in the office and do it you know, faster than they've done before. So they can actually do more and add more value as opposed to being out in the field, you know, collecting all these samples, potentially you know, falling over, hurting themselves and all the things that come with safety exposure in a mine site. So is it fair to say, Andrew, that your plot logic technology is providing far more certainty with a more sophisticated level of granularity and certainty around um, exploration? Um, certainly, the, uh, from our perspective, it's all, what, where our value really lies is in that uh, providing that, that all-body certainty, that all-body knowledge that you need um, mm. to drive very sophisticated decisions and do it faster than you've ever done before. Uh, our main focus, our main audience, if you like, for our product is actually uh, the mining operators as opposed to the explorers. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the reason for that is because... Um, we can we can drive a decision and support a decision literally within within minutes and provide a real time alert to a, a plan operator that um, under traditional methods they wouldn't find out about until they get the end of month report and and their manager says hey you know <laughs> we've we've had some bad downtimes here or whatever and, and, and things haven't gone well so it actually allows you to get in front of that before it occurs mm. and have and have a very measurable impact uh, in the mine site itself we we also have you know application in exploration and, and uh, further downstream. Um, but yeah, really our, our main play is we actually go into the mine site itself and, and help the mine become you know, a lot more efficient and, and a lot more sustainable just through you know, using these new sensors and new technology. Have you had examples where your technology has been deployed and uh, the, the operators thought that for layman's terms, the the real good stuff was in one particular area, but um, you know you've you've saved them because you've run your technology and it's actually you know 
somewhere else. Yeah, so, so absolutely, that happens all the time. And, you know, what conversations having with one of our clients last week is they uh, continually promote this example of, of this uh, geological model that they have where they they said that the um, the ore body, you know, was, it was essentially uh, stopped, so it cut out, the grade cut out, and, it's, and it just didn't exist anymore. Mm. And we were able to, through our technology, be able to say, hey, actually, you know what, there's, there's a huge amount more or here that you, you, you physically you haven't have found through your model, you just haven't found because of the, the way that you were doing it. And, you know, it's literally worth millions of dollars for them just on that one, one example. So these, these guys, every time they do a, you know, internal presentation in amongst their, uh, their own business, they always, always bring that slide out. It really stands out, obviously, where this massive amount of law just was otherwise have been written off by the business. Mm. I'm surprised that this technology hadn't already existed before you guys came along? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, you know, a big part of where we've sort of got to um, was really dependent on a lot of deep, hard research and development that we have, have to do. So the idea is, is really simple in terms of con- conceptualising you know, what you want to do. You, you scan a whole bunch of rocks with some sensors, write some algorithms, and, and away you go. Um, but the reality of actually getting it you know, to, to work is requires a lot of deep, hard research and development. Mm. Um, so Rio Tinto and BHP both attempted to build this technology themselves. Um, Did they? In-house. Yeah, yeah. Go, going back. Uh, BHP are now partners with us, so they sort of got to a point and said, yeah, you, know, you guys have well and truly gone, gone beyond us. We'd rather work with you than continue our own. <laughs> Why didn't they just program. buy you? <laughs> well, that's, 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 a, that's a different story, I think. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I think in reality, you know, I, I guess at a, um, at a philosophical level, we feel that we can have huge impact across the entire industry, um, which, which is, you know, mm. um, spans all, all producers rather than, than one. And being a, a, an in-house technology that a company develops like a BHP or Rio Tinto, it's really hard for those guys to actually be able to maintain that technology because they're relying on a you know a very small team within a team, and they're relying on on um, sensor providers to then provide them with a with a tech and all those sorts of things that come with it. So it's actually a really hard challenge for a mining company to try to do themselves. And even if they you know said okay we're going to go with one vendor and that vendor's going to be exclusive to us, then it also means you know as a as a vendor or a supplier. You're also limited in your ability to get um, the advantage of working across lots of different ore bodies, mm. and we mm. use those different ore bodies from different regions and different companies to essentially get, um, I, get uh, I guess, a type of network effect where exactly. we're able to say, okay, every time a new mining company comes on board, we delabel the data, but we can get some additional information, which then benefits all other mining companies. Mm. So there's a lot of reasons why. Um, you know, the, the big mining companies that have attempted this in the past have got to a point where they got stuck. Um, and our ability to move fast on this has meant that we can sort of, um, you know, do the hard research and then develop commercially and then, you know, provide that high-quality service back to those clients. Are you doing any work in mines overseas or are you just in Australia at the moment? Yes, we have a um, deployment in Africa. Um, we um, also have... Um, uh, deployment going into uh, uh, supposedly going to into Russia uh, in in April, depending on what happens there over the next couple of months, um, and whether or not we're allowed out of the country. 
But um, we do. <laughs> that's we, important. That's important, or at least be able to get back if we do get out. Um, and we also have uh, deployments in uh, South America coming up, and we've actually got our first uh, employee starting our Brazilian office, uh, and, that, and that person's been deployed over there. So, yeah, re- really a lot of interest uh, internationally for what we're doing, mm. uh, essentially across the across the globe. We see South America as being a a really important market for us, which is why we've you know already put an employee on over there to help set up that that uh, office, um, and you know we've got some deployments coming up there later this year. And as far as you're aware, is there any other technology similar to yours um, working in the field at the moment? We, we're certainly at the, uh, the the pointy end in terms of you know our um, technological advantage and where we've we've got to. We do know there's some other you know small companies that have that have tried to deploy stuff we don't know of anything that's currently commercially operating um, at scale um, anywhere in the world aside from us Um, but yeah no no doubt as we start getting more and more commercial uh, engagement there'll be plenty of people that will try to follow us so once you figured out back in the early days that your technology actually worked and you were seeing some results on your wherever it was your, your test mine your first um, use of the technology what was that like because I imagine your phone like word would have got out and your phone would have started to ring or your inbox started <laughs> started to jam up with inquiries give us a sense of how all of that unfolded interestingly we were uh, it was our very first uh, deployment where, where we had a, a prototype uh, system out in the field and I was working with um, my first employee. He was a, the postdoc guy out of Calgary. Mm. And we were literally set up in this uh, um, core shed out, out, of, out of a mine site east of Kalgoorlie. So you sort of go, go to Kalgoorlie, drive to nowhere, turn left and keep driving type of a, <laughs> type of a mine site. Until you run out of road. Until you run out of road. Um, and we, we, Mick literally had um, this very old cheap computer, it was the only one we could afford for him, um, sitting on a card table in this core shed in 45 degree heat, literally chewing flies and trying to, you know, finish writing this algorithm from this data that we'd sort of collected that, that day. And then we were supposed to be presenting, you know, some, some preliminary result to the client um, that day. They weren't expecting us to have presented anything of, of usefulness because they recognised, you know, we were quite clear about how early the tech was and, and we literally had this breakthrough moment in the, on the card table, and uh, uh, we showed the showed the client uh, had to present to the client that afternoon. Um, had a uh, had another um, person with me and said, "Yep, show, show the client do the demo, which was a 3D visualization and, and demo, and, and it like it literally worked perfectly. Uh, gave them the result, and they were literally blown away. One of the guys from from this company literally jumped out of his chair. Was that amazed by what he was able to, able to see and and um, that was when we sort of had that moment of yeah this is uh, going to be quite impactful so mm. but yeah that 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 was a sort of entry point and then obviously to go from you know, POC to commercialization is is a lot of a lot of heavy lifting so that 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 next phase um, you know has been has been quite a hard quite a hard slog since but very worthwhile obviously let me tell you many a good thing has happened around a card table over the, <laughs> the history of time. Maybe that should be a corporate logo. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, you, you, you've come into the market at a probably a very good time. 
um, you know, with some positive tailwinds with changes to environmental compliance and the push for ESG investments. Um, Would you agree with that? Yeah, so one of the reasons why um, I actually went and did my PhD back when I did it was because my read of the market was that um, there would be a time for this technology, but I had a few years um, probably to... To, to get ready for that that change. So we've been looking, I've been looking very closely at the market since I entered it back in the late 90s. And, you know, now the time is right for us to explode. So we, we it wasn't by accident that we've sort of got to our stage of development at this point of time. It was, it was looking at the market, looking at the changes, looking at when the industry was ready for, to, to sort of bring on this new type of technology and, and try to time it that way. One thing we didn't plan for, of course, was the uh, um, the pandemic, which put a lot of restrictions on our ability to travel, which is, you know, probably in some areas slowed down uh, prototype testing because of access to, to different regions. But, you know, by and large, we've, we've been able to sort of muscle our way through it. And so with respect to um, the future, you're working in the mining industry. Are there any other industry or sectors where your technology can be used? Yeah, so we sort of see the next two main um, areas of interest for us is in um, agribusiness and also recycling, so supporting the you know, the circular economy. So, you know, the idea of recycling is actually quite similar to, to mining. Um, we just call it ultra-low-grade mining. So, yeah. You know, there's, there's, you know, <laughs> okay. so, so so we, we we're just looking, yeah, still looking for all within within mm. yeah, exactly within <laughs> that um, within that you know waste material. Um, so we see a huge opportunity in that space, and and you know as the technology evolves and the and the um, the, the cost of application comes down, um, we see really good opportunity to to help with that recycling piece and you know minimising landfill, minimising uh, waste going to ground, and also you know recovering usable resources. The other area which sort of sits on the other side, other adjacent side, is in agribusiness. And, you know, in terms of crop yield optimization and being able to make sure that you really understand soil contents, moisture contents, those sorts of things that can drive, uh, um, you know, agri- agribusiness performance, you know, we see that the, the technology that we use can certainly be used in that space. And there's been a lot of research done by, by people working with this type of technology in in agribusiness and our operating model, you know, as we as we develop it, we see some good application in in um, in that space. You know, for example, you might be growing potatoes and you know not know exactly the right time to extract the potatoes to maximise your yield. You know, mm. and we can use our technology to actually support that and say, don't dig them yet; they're not quite at, at maximum yield, and then you know, or or come out later on and, um, and, and miss the opportunity if they're yeah, okay. past that optimal point. So, so we see those two, yeah. two areas as being really, um, uh, really interesting for us. There's a, there's a group of, um, of, of researchers that also apply this technology in pharmaceuticals in terms of um, you know, optimising the, the feedstock to produce things like vitamins and other, other pharmaceuticals. So, you know, we sort of see that as a long horizon one, but um, you know, right right now we're really focused on mining. It's a vertical that we know really well. We know that we can have a huge impact in terms of driving, you know, um, that mine optimization piece, driving 
um, the the ability to you know, clean up mines and reduce waste and pre produce the resources that the planet needs and do it in a way that's actually sustainable, environmentally friendly, and also allows the businesses to run run profitably. So we we're really passionate about getting that piece right first and mm. and you know providing that that um, that opportunity for the industry and, and turn things around. You know one of the uh, opportunities that we're working on at the moment there was a federal government grant that was announced just recently with eq resources and ourselves here in queensland and mm -hmm. um, eq resources is a is a tungsten producer um, out of far north queensland and and the federal government has supported us with a grant with with eq to use our technology to help recover um, old tailings facilities and old stockpiles that allow these you know these tungsten in those those uh, waste dumps and tailings that you know need to be economically recovered for two reasons one it helps with a critical mineral that's been identified that tungsten is a critical mineral um, you know and re reduce our dependence on on china there for tungsten supply uh, but also clean up these environmental legacies from the from the 80s and 90s where these mines were shut down exactly and, and left yeah. these these large things so we see this model that we're working to with with companies like EQ to say, well, actually, what we can do, come in, help clean up those those legacy issues, and do it in a way that's profitable for you, plus solves the environmental challenge, and then also set you up for long term uh, mine optimization. And if we can do that, then we can actually apply that same operating model to a whole bunch of you know uh, critical minerals across Australia. And how have you funded the company thus far, Andrew? So when I started the company, um, I bootstrapped it. So I had some, mm -hmm. some money saved up. Um, yeah. I then remortgaged my house. And then oh dear. Um, after, <laughs> yeah, so I have a very supportive partner. So she was, she was, she was very okay good. with that. Um, and then, then I tried to remortgage the house another three or four times, but the bank's not going to do it once. Less supportive, I would be. I yeah, would <laughs> yeah so, so, so eventually got to a point where we, we um, you know, had been running for about a, a year or so, and um, obviously this technology is, you know, quite quite intensive in terms of you know the costs, um, reasonably high barrier. Yeah. Um, so so we sort of chewed through the initial piece of cash quite quickly, and then made a call to go and get funding um, for, for our company. Uh, so I went to North America and spent quite a bit of time talking with venture capitalists particularly venture capitalists that specialise in uh, deep tech type companies mm -hmm. that are working mm -hmm. on, on really hard science problems that have you know, industrial yeah. application. Um, and yeah, so we've got some funding back in 2019 and then we've um, you know, progressed through another, another, uh, another piece of funding. So we've essentially got venture capital backing out of North America for our, for our firm. Amazing. And um, just finally, so talk us through... Uh, the plans for this year for for 2022. What has Plot Logic got on the agenda for the next 12 months? Yeah, so we, we've got a massive, exciting year that that essentially we've spent the last few years really setting up for 2022, um, making sure that the the hardware, the embedded software, the application space, the the data management pipelines, and all the algorithms and everything works. Um, and having those key early clients as, as partners. And this year's you know, really about that taking us to, to global scale um, and application across lots of different mine sites. So we've got a hugely strong uh, sales pipeline and, and at the moment we've got uh, you know, more clients than we do systems. 
and you know we're really pushing as hard as we can to develop and, and produce as many of those systems here in in, um, in Australia as we can so we can get them out and get them deployed globally and, and um, really scale up the, the profitability of the business. We um, work in a space where the, the technology we're building is, is, you know, I guess from that uh, Australia's push for modern manufacturing, we kind of fit within that sweet spot in the sense that the technology that we're, we're building is uh, very high dollar density, it's very sophisticated. so. You know, being able to produce something that is um, quite important to the industry, quite important to the mining industry, do it, um, do it here locally, and and do it with a very high degree of skill, um, is is something that we sort of um, see as being a really important part of our development over this next twelve months as well. Well, write it down, folks. The name is Plot Logic. It's the best mining tech company you've never heard of until now. Andrew Job, good luck, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Lovely talking to you.